0: Welcome to MediaPost's Brand Insider. I'm your host, Steve Smith, Editorial Director of Events here at MediaPost. Each week, we interview marketing leaders from companies old and new about how they build and evolve their brands on an unpredictable media and culture terrain. In addition to this full audio interview in podcast form, we also publish a companion newsletter with highlights from the Q&A. MediaPost has been covering marketing and media news for over 20 years. You can find the Brand Insider weekly as well as our daily coverage at MediaPost.com. now, let's get into it. Let's welcome to Brand Insider, Chester Bullock. He's the Director of Marketing Technology at RentPath. RentPath brings renters and property owners together at sites like rent.com and Lovely. Chester's a veteran of Media Post Email Insider Summit where he'll be appearing again on December 7th and 8th. Uh, He's previously been at Trendline Interactive, Ticketmaster, and Merkle. Chester, where do we find you today?
1: Uh, Today, I'm coming to you from Florida.
0: Ah, so you're warmer than the rest of
1: us. Warmer than a lot of the country right now. Back at our house in Denver, I think it's snowing right now. So this is Ah. a pleasant change.
0: So uh, first, let's start off by explaining RentPath to us. And in particular, who are you marketing to and and through which primary channels?
1: Certainly. So our primary brand at RentPath is Apartment Guide. If you think back to, if anybody who's listening to this thinks back to the old days in the grocery store where you would pick up a classified guide, to see what apartments are available for rent in your area. That's the same brand. Um, They digitized many years ago as every other publisher did. And now I work for the online version of all that. So our model really is kind of twofold. We have the consumer facing component which is where you go to apartment guide or rent.com take a look and see what properties are available in your area for rent, and then initiate a contact to what ends up being our customer, which is property management companies or the individual homeowners. Whoever has that property available for rent, that's who we kind of serve as a a very short-term go-between. We make that connection.
0: So are you you working both in the B2B marketing space and the B2C marketing space?
1: We do. Um, My team personally, we are more involved in the consumer side of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm starting to get more involved in the B2B side, more from a support role than anything else, you know, with, with my background in marketing technology, um, they've needed this expertise, particularly around our ESP for some time. And so I joined about a year and a half ago and we've got a great team of B2B marketers, but they just needed some technical advice on our marketing stack. So I, I, fill
0: in there as needed. What does your marketing mix look like generally? How are you reaching customers?
1: Well, from an overall standpoint, we do a great deal of display advertising, just basically any digital channel, that's where we are. That kind of serves as our funnel. Once people come down in from that, then they get into my realm, which is the email side of things. Uh, Consumers get into the email side, again, through clicking on display ad somewhere, Facebook ad, whatever the case might be. Come to our site, submit a form, on our site that says, hey, I'm interested in property XYZ. At that point, they then get dropped into our consumer journey. So the first step of that would be a confirmation email. that says, hey, we're gonna send your information off to property XYZ. And oh, by the way, here's four of the properties that you might be interested in. Mm-hmm. And then those recommendations continue for a period of days.
0: So what's been the impact of the COVID crisis and the lockdowns on, on both your market and on your customers?
1: Sure. You know, when all this first started, I think there was, I don't want to use, I, I don't use this word lightly, but I think there was a little bit of panic in the entire industry. People weren't sure what was going to happen. You know, We had so many people losing their jobs, either temporarily or permanently, because so many places got shut down. I know back in Colorado, we we went pretty strict pretty quick. I was supposed to go skiing one day, and then all the ski areas closed the night before I was supposed to go. And it just created a lot of uncertainty for a lot of people. So we weren't really sure what was gonna happen in our space. There was a lot of concern and worry that a lot of people were not gonna be paying rent, that there were then gonna be a lot of evictions ensuing. So in our world, that means a lot of inventory coming available or not a lot of leads being able to be generated because not a lot of people are gonna be working. The the reality is the opposite has been true for us. Um, Mm -hmm. What we've seen is with a lot of, and I think the real estate market is seeing it too. I know in, in particular parts of Denver, personal real estate or, or residential real estate is is just booming right now. And I think it's because what we're seeing is more and more families who are at home, even if it's just uh, a couple or a roommate and a roommate, you know, a two person situation where even where there aren't any kids, now you're confined to working at home. I think I saw something somewhere, that said 70% of the workforce was working at home at one point during all this. So now you're in this confined space with either your roommate or your significant other or all that and kids whatever the case might be everybody's needing more space so it really became an opportunity for people depending on what their situation was to either upsize or downsize their their living arrangements so we've been at ramp path we've been incredibly busy during this epidemic or pandemic in bringing new products to market that make that rental experience a lot easier you know we started giving properties the ability to schedule a FaceTime tour. So a a rental agent would walk around a property with a camera, (laughs) with a video camera and say, all right, here's what this room looks like, this is what this room looks like, that sort of stuff, live interactive virtual tour. Um, We've gone from that to online application stuff, basically taking the human contact part out of the leasing process as easily as possible. With all those product developments on our core websites, we've then had to figure out how to support that within email. And so people are like, oh, you guys must not be very busy. No, we've been busier for the last six months than we were for the nine months I was here prior to that.
0: So what what, are, what is the impact of that on, on email then? So when you've got this broader product suite, mm-hmm. uh, is it simply an increase in volume or is it really like a, a difference in kind of the, uh, the email, the kinds of email and the kind of content and the kinds of uh, promotions that you're sending?
1: Sure. So we have not been traditionally a very content driven company when it comes to our consumer facing email. Um, It's mostly been just that recommendation type of email says, all right, you're interested in this property. Here's these others. And we try to continue that all the way down to so that you see all the all the advertisers in we have, I call them advertisers, our customers. So you see as a consumer, all the advertisers we have in a certain area that fit your needs and really just try to make the best match possible between people. So content's kind of been a secondary thing. We have an outstanding content team at RentPath. They've got their own blog. They've published great stuff. And so as part of our, um, once we got the COVID stuff kind of wrestled with, if you will, then we started looking forward and what do we want to do? And customer retention, as everybody knows, it's a lot easier to retain an existing customer than go out and find a new one from a cost standpoint, from a time and energy standpoint. So what we're doing now is we're getting very heavily involved with our content team and building out a consumer journey to carry them past for, say, the first 30 days of being a rent path consumer. We're carrying them out to a year so that when that lease is up and they're thinking about moving, they come back to us as that trusted source for anything to do with ranting.
0: This is, this is an interesting theme that I've noticed in talking to a bunch of marketers lately, is that mm-hmm. um, for a lot of them, yes, there's this, this rush of easy business coming in as a result of, of the pandemic. But uh, I think the smarter ones are thinking longer term. How do we retain when this ebbs? And that this is actually an opportunity for brand building, not just picking the low-hanging fruit.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, my, I'm fortunate in that my background has always been more in that customer loyalty type of situation, not loyalty programs per se. But if we go all the way back to when I got started and email back at AAA, you know, we published a monthly newsletter. We, we made it, we tailored it to each individual subscriber based on their propensity to click on different types of things because AAA carries all sorts of different, they've got a lot of different business lines. Mm-hmm. But even there, it was really important to us because we were always trying to retain that membership. Right. So as long as we're delivering content, delivering value, then we should be able to to keep the consumer and the same holds true everywhere else I've ever worked. There's no reason not to do that.
0: So you're a, a longtime uh, marketing tech geek. Uh, mm-hmm. You've been in, in this for a while. I'm curious about what impact this has had on marketing tech on the marketing technology market, the way you're looking at the tech, because I've heard. I've heard very different things from marketers that I've spoken to about this. Some took the mm-hmm. pandemic as an opportunity to reevaluate their stack, winnow out a lot of stuff that they felt was inefficient, sort of essentially a mm-hmm. tech audit. And then others who are really in the market for more technology because they feel the pandemic has really underscored their need to be much more nimble and to use technology, especially cutting edge, tech, cutting edge technology, to target and segment more effectively and also to be more nimble. How how do you see the marketing tech coming out of this?
1: Well, I I think overall, and this might be some of my pessimism as a consumer might blend into some of this, but I think what I've noticed is I see a lot less, I don't wanna call it gimmickry, but I almost will. Like some of the interactive elements that you can get within emails that are more fluff than substance. Mm -hmm. I'm not seeing as much of that in my inbox anymore, which makes me happy because I'm like, you know if you've got a good product or you've got a good service that should sell itself i don't need these other flashy gizmos to to make that happen uh, we have been getting a lot of calls from companies that sell that type of stuff uh, we haven't really engaged with them we've been focusing more on what i would call behind the scenes kind of tech enhancements and that's really geared around building more intelligence into the our emails themselves you know the platform that we use has a very dynamic scripting engine that we can leverage to truly tailor each individual email at a super high level based on the data we have available about that particular consumer. And so we've just been tweaking that a great deal in order to really personalize that experience and make it as relevant as possible for those for each individual consumer. That's also part of our bigger strategy of retaining that consumer. But the more relevance that we can have for somebody, I would rather do that than have some kind of flashy countdown thing. That's not really relevant to our space anyway, but.
0: What kind of tailoring and personalization has really paid off for you? As as you're starting to make this stuff more personalized, what are the places where where customers really are responding?
1: We are seeing really good responses when we are able to do things, highlight the the features about a property that just set it off and apart from, from everything else. So. As the pandemic happened, like I said, we were starting to do like FaceTime tours and things like that. Those kinds of properties got a lot of clicks. So Mm -hmm. it was a combination of knowing people are after that and then knowing which properties are available, then we can match them up and Mm -hmm. do that sort of thing. Um, Online applications was a big one as well. We're seeing a lot of traffic through those clicks for people to just get right to an online application, apply now, and just move on with their life, which is Mm -hmm. pretty encouraging as well.
0: Uh, you'd, I want to get into a project that you had mentioned to me uh, earlier that, that you call friction reduction. Um, mm-hmm. that, that you've been working on. Why don't you explain what that is, what sort of problem you were solving for, and then how you've been executing it?
1: Sure. So my my whole history in being a marketing technologist and being an email marketer has always been around. How can we reduce the friction? And this comes back from before I was an email. I was a web developer, what would have been called a webmaster back then. We were a jack of all trades, master of none kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it's always about getting the consumer to the to engage in the CTA as quickly as possible, and thereby reducing friction wherever you can. And email's always been kind of a kludgy place for that, right? You don't have the opportunity for a lot of interactivity with different websites or things. If you want somebody to request more information, they generally click. Here, then go to a form, fill out the form, do their thing. So, you know, whether it was back in the day when I was at AAA and we were cross promoting newsletters, we would take advantage of the ESP platform we had. If somebody clicked, yes, I'm interested in that newsletter, then it was a one click subscribe. They would automatically get added to that list and go on their merry way, and they wouldn't have to fill out another form and do all those sorts of things. So here at RentPath, we did a similar thing for property recommendations. And we're currently in the middle of testing it for one of our brands. We've rolled it out fully for for rent.com. Basically, what it means is when you get that recommendation email from us on any given morning, instead of clicking to say, yes, I'm interested in property ABC, and then going to our landing page within our website and filling out a form again, and then hitting submit. What we're doing is we've gotten our product team to build out a web service that we can connect to via the URL. So what we do is we append the information in a secure hashed field. We append that information to every URL in the emails. When you click on that link, it just takes you to a landing page. that says, thank you for your submission Something fancier than that. I'm not good with marketing words. I just do the tech behind it. But Mm -hmm. basically, we say thank you for submitting information and continue on your way. And in the background, what we're doing is we're unpacking that secure good of information about that person submitting the lead to the property. The property will then reach out generally within an hour or so to that consumer. And we make we foster that connection that way. Instead of taking somebody down the path of having to fill out a form and everything else. And we've all seen the stats on how many people drop off, the more complex the forms get and all mm-hmm. that sort of thing. I just want to take all of that out. And we already know who you are. We're sending you an email. Let's get you going in the process.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what's been the impact?
1: For the campaigns where that was enabled on that brand, we've seen about a 10% increase in the number of leads that were captured. So for us, that's huge. I mean, we are a lead generation business. We live and die by how many leads we can deliver to our customers, and that was tremendous. Anytime you can get a 10% bump, I think people are going to be happy with that. Like I said, we're currently in testing with it on Apartment Guide right now, and uh, we're not seeing the same kind of lift, so we're starting to do some tweaks within our testing, change the copy around the button that says this is what's going to happen, managing that consumer expectation, all that. So.
0: Yeah. what what's been the key learning over the last six to nine months what What do you know now about either the channel, your customers um, uh, that uh, that you didn't know six, nine months ago? Um, I think honestly,
1: what I've noticed through all of this and you know there's some other brands out there that have done a really good job of recognizing morning brew is one of them. Um, I knew this, but I think that the broader broader space of digital marketing didn't really realize this email is still extremely relevant if nothing else it has become even more so during these times of limited interactions with people you can have a lot of zoom calls you can slack people you can do this that or the other thing but at the end of the day email is still where business gets done Mm -hmm. and you know as, as someone who's kind of fallen into this career path and just thrived in it and loved it and everything else it's encouraging to me to see that people are starting to give email a little more credit than they used to. I haven't seen an email is going to die article for a couple of years now. Thank goodness. So um, I, I feel like we're on a good path right now.
0: Uh, yeah, actually, I want to draft off of a couple of things that you that you mentioned in there. First, that it seems as if email has solidified what its role is relative to these other channels, so that we're not Absolutely. necessarily. You said, tell, tell me a little bit more about that that point. Email is where business gets done, as opposed to some of these other ancillary communications channels. Uh, if you just
1: wow, I could go really existential here but <laughs> if you think That's about okay. just the history, we're, how we're, people we're good communicate. with
0: that we're good with that here
1: <laughs> if you think about the history of how people communicate and we'll fast forward a few years to the telegraph they thought the telegraph was gonna kill everything and then and then direct mail was going to kill i mean kill everything and you know being able to call people all these different things are gonna kill the technology that came before it and I use technology loosely even though back in the day Pony Express probably was a technology but You know, everything's going to kill itself. Instead, what ends up happening, and that's why I always hate those emails, dead articles, or this is dead, or that's dead. Um, It's not that it kills the other thing. It's just that over time, society figures out how to best use that channel to achieve whatever it needs to achieve. So at the end of the day, you know, if it's something urgent, I still expect a phone call. I get frustrated with my 15 year old daughter all the time. She's texting me like, Dad, Dad, Dad. I'm like, But if it's important, call me. That's why it has a ringer on it. That's why I will hear it. I will interrupt what I'm doing because I know it's an important thing to answer that call. But if it's text, I don't care. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. um, it's just like that sense of urgency elevates for different channels. And email is just, it's a place where you can go. And if you're an introvert like me, then you can do a lot through email, not have to interact p- with people. Or if you just have things that you need to remember to do, but they don't have a huge urgency, like I don't have to do this in the next five minutes, email's a great place for that as well. If I'm browsing for things, that's why I love Amazon recommendations. I'm browsing for things on Amazon constantly, but then I get sidetracked into something else like work. So then I might get some recommendation emails from Amazon or somebody else. Then I take the time to look at those when it's appropriate for me. So it's just it's it's finding its own spot within the consumer communication package,
0: if you will. I think that's true. And I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with you on this existential path because this is something my <laughs> daughter taught me years ago when she was first when we were first in the beginning of, of SMS and she was texting wildly to friends, and mm-hmm. I'd say, Why don't you just call them? And her and she and she told me uh, no, because then I'll get stuck on the phone. And it was it was an important point that I realized. That that it's control. Uh, Mm -hmm. And and we we really underestimate the amount that consumers want to exert control. And email, as you just described it, is a place where we have that kind of control over the flow of communication. We can reserve it. We can come at it at our leisure. um, And we can categorize it and segment it any way we like. And that's an important thing. That is a really important point. You know, and
1: now I think about it. You know, if we go back to this last election cycle, I think one of my biggest frustrations was, out of nowhere, I s- suddenly started getting text messages from random people I don't know promoting their campaign or cause. Right. I'm like, A, I'm not even registered to vote there. B, how did you get my information? C, I gave you no permission to do this. But in the inbox. You know we've got laws around that that are pretty pretty protective. I'm not going to get campaign information via email unless I actually opt into it. Whereas with all this political nonsense on the phones, it's a free for all. And yeah, I absolutely love having that control because I don't want to deal with. I, I get more junk calls now than I ever got spam before. It's just it's ridiculous.
0: So okay, we've established email's not dead. Um, but we've also we've, we've also established that a lot, a lot of the gizmos that people have been trying to pile into email in recent years, like animations and, and high mm-hmm. levels of interactivity, that they, they too often are um, ring hollow for a lot of, a lot of consumers. Mm-hmm. What if anything is next for the email channel? Does it evolve or does it stay pretty much the way it is? and uh, because we like it that way?
1: Well, that's that's a really good question. I wish I wish I could predict the next thing because I want to have one of those shark tank companies where I get rich off some brilliant idea I have, but I don't have one right now. So I think that more than anything, you know, between you know engagements like like being at EIS and talking to different marketers at places like that, or in my days of consulting at Trendline, the one thing that always surprised me was across the board, the lack of sophistication in people's programs. And I, I don't know what to attribute that to if it's it's just general turnover in the email business, and there's only a handful of people that stay in it long enough to develop an expertise and a skill set and an expectation of doing things. I don't know what it is. But so many brands are still so simple with how they market to consumers, how they leverage their data, uh, all that sort of stuff. I think a lot of people still are going to have to continue to look inward at their own house and get that in order from a from a technic- technological foundation and knowing how to use the data that's available to them, mm-hmm. and that's going to be the biggest thing I think. But you know, I've been hearing that for ten years now, and I still don't see it in a lot of places. But that's got to um, be it.
0: I'm with you. I've been hosting this this email summit for years, and I'm astonished at the major brands who mm-hmm. I sometimes think when I'm on the receiving end of their email that they're pretty sophisticated. And when I start scratching the surface and asking them about it, it turns out they're they're really still just inches away from Batch and Blast. Um, and,
1: and they are. It's really fascinating. I mean, all the times we got called in when I was consulting and be like, wow, you guys have all of this data. Why aren't you using it? Well, we can't get out. There's, the list of excuses just multiplies really rapidly. And it's absurd to me. But I still think there's something to the whole longevity of people in in roles. Like I tend to, I tend to put roots down. My last job, I was there for five years. This job, I've already been there a year and a half. I can see this going for quite a long time as well. But I know a lot of other people, and this isn't a knock to them. I mean, it's great. It's unfortunate in business that the only way to really get promoted is to leave a company and go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But there, I know so many people, or know of so many people in different companies that are in situations like mine, where they only stay like a year or two. And anybody who deals with tech knows it takes that long to move IT in a certain direction, much much less the rest of the company. So if you start a big initiative, you got to stay there long enough to really see the fruits of it. And I don't know if that always happens. I think people are, I think in general, people are just moving and transitioning more job wise these days. And I think that that the continuity and the development of sophistication, sophisticated programs is suffering for it.
0: Hmm. Interesting point. And yeah. that also keeps keeps me employed hosting EIS for now <laughs> yeah. uh, because everybody needs help. Chester, as always, you are you are a delight, always, always insightful on, on this channel. Look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks at EIS. Thanks so much yeah. for joining us today.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: And thanks for tuning in to Media Post Brand Insider Podcast. You can keep up to date with breaking marketing and media news at mediapost.com. That's also where you can subscribe to the Brand Insider newsletter, where highlighted versions of these interviews can go to your email inbox each week. If you have any comments or suggestions for the Brand Insider series, please send them to me, steve, at mediapost.com.